Welcome to Motley Fool Money. I'm Chris Hill, and I'm joined by Motley Fool Senior Analysts Seth Jason, James Early, and Shannon Zimmerman. Guys, good to see you. Good to see you, hey, Chris. Hey. Very special show today, guys. A very special episode? A, a, a very special, yeah. Like an after-school special. It's not just our last show of the year. It's our last show of the decade. Because we're being fired. <laughs> all of us. It's all got to end sometime, baby. <laughs> Speak for yourself, Seth. We'll talk about some of the big stories of the decade and the year, and we'll talk heroes, goats, comeback companies, and as always, we'll share a few stocks on our radar. But let's begin with the announcement this week from Time Magazine of their Person of the Year, and it's our guy, our Fed Chief, Mr. Ben Bernanke. Shannon, what did you think? Hey. Yeah, I think that, you know, I understand that Man of the Year is not an endorsement designation. I was talking with uh, Mac, our producer, earlier. Apparently, Stalin was person of the year at some point. Follow, I, followed by Hitler. Yeah, Hitler I, I didn't realize that, but I do, I I do of, get that it's... Many? Really? Yeah. I gotta get up in my uh, person of the year history. I, I, but I have realized that it's not a, a, an endorsement. But even if it, you know, is not necessarily an endorsement of Bernanke, why him? To me, he has sort of revealed himself to be, and I know this sounds a bit harsh, uh, uh, kind of mediocre. You know, so here's a guy who was a depression scholar who was uh, presumably well uh, prepped for what has happened, and he missed it. And now in the aftermath of what appears to be the aftermath, he's erring on the wrong side of his mandate. The, Fe- the Fed's mandate is to maintain price stability and to get us as close to full employment as possible. And here he's talking, you know, fiscal at a time when we have double-digit unemployment and no inflation. Well, Definitely not Bernanke. Well, that's so unfair. I mean, wh- how do you know we wouldn't have had depression too, but worse without him? How do you know that Bernanke doesn't also keep tigers away? Uh, tiger Woods? <laughs> Just tigers. Apparently, we, we, we now know that that, that, that didn't happen. I would have been mauled by I tigers. I would nominate uh, Stephen Colbert, though, uh, folk hero for the future. Stephen Colbert instead of Ben Bernanke? Absolutely, absolutely. James, what did you think? You know, it's it's really tough. Uh, I can't judge Bernanke because he's in such a pickle, but but I will highlight uh, Neil Kashkari, the sort of not-much-discussed assistant uh, bailout uh, supervisor for the Treasury. The guy who looked just like Hank Paulson. You know, he, he's got an intense look. I'm looking at his Wikipedia page right now, and I'm, I'm a little creeped out, actually. <laughs> <laughs> they, called, they called him Mini-Me, actually. But, but this guy was, was an aerospace engineer. He... He helped out with a bailout, stayed out of the limelight, and now it works at, at PIMCO. And he, he's sort of a successful example of somebody who, who's used the bailout for, for a good cause, admittedly his own. Well, I, I wasn't he, a Blade Run- he was a Blade actually, Runner, I think. <laughs> he could have been. I don't know if he's working at PIMCO. Is he really? Because there I was a big article a job, in the right? Washington Post about how he just retreated to the woods, which I think says a lot a lot better things. He basically said, Washington will kill you. You're going to get unhealthy. And he you know retreated to a cabin out in, uh, in the Sierra Nevada mountains, I guess, and built a shed and right. hangs out with so, his dogs. So James is, is saying thumbs down on Bernanke. So is Shannon. Seth, what about you? Are you are you I would, I would endorse just pick this? The, the, government, the government. The federal government is the only one left vying without the stimulus. We'd have had how much economic growth without uh, you know the government. How would banks have record profits? Whether you agree or not with what has happened, I think the person of the year is the government. Well, there have been abstract choices before. 1982, sure. Time Magazine picked the, the personal computer as the computer of the year. 2006, <laughs> all of us in this room and everyone listening, you. you oh, yeah, which so I, nice. I mean, I, I still have my plaque. Did you get, home. you're all special. Yeah. Every single one of you. The, 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 the money money podcast or show listener should be uh, nominated. <laughs> I, I was looking uh, particularly good when that, that uh, issue came out, and I was happy that there was a mirror there to uh, reflect <laughs> upon myself. All right, let's look back uh, a little bit at 2009 before we leap into 2010. Uh, let's just go around the table here. In terms of the major business stories of the year, 
Um, were there some that you thought were just were overplayed, underplayed? Shannon, I'll just start with you. Yeah, and I'll start with the underplayed story of the year. To me, it's bank failures. In 2007, just a few stats. In 2007, there were less than 10 bank failures, seizures by the FDIC. In 2008, we had about 30. And then in 2009, this year, more than 150 and counting. And the FDIC is now in the red. No cause for alarm among depositors, but that is very telling because the reason they're in the red is they're shoring up reserves in anticipation of more bank failures into the year. That, that's a big uh, into the next year. That's a big, big story, and the amount of coverage it's not received uh, during this year is surprising to me. James? Yeah, Chris, I'm going to go with MC Hammer becomes partner in cash for gold business. This is one <laughs> of those things where they melt down your gold and, and sell it for, for, for scraps and give you some uh, pittance uh, as compensation. I think that partly speaks for itself, but 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 the, the underpinning lesson is is simply this. I mean, as much as I love Hammer, when he gets in on an investment trend, maybe it's time to get out. <laughs> as a business as business models go, you can't touch that. <laughs> Seth, wow, uh, I had a whole bunch of stuff. I'm going to go with uh, an underplayed story and, and maybe a business story of the year. Do we have the death of the death spiral among maybe not small businesses but larger businesses and publicly traded businesses? I was really completely surprised by the number of businesses that didn't fail. In other words, in, in past depressions, recessions, you had these horrible situations where companies with way too much inventory and, and other stuff on their balance sheets, cludging things up, just couldn't get out from under it and, and just went belly up. And there's been so much less of that, uh, at least less of it reported. Maybe that's the story. Maybe it's happening and no one's reporting, reporting it. But there seems to have been less of it than, than in the past. And I think that speaks to a couple of things. One is that we may have had the excesses in a narrow uh, segment of our economy. And the other is that uh, productivity gains and, and other types of gains in how businesses are run may really have helped uh, avoid making this recession even worse. Is, is it also uh, possibly because they obtained their financing back in the gravy train days and uh, the, the failures will come later? Well, that's possible. And they also had low low financing. But but it, it really is, I think, kind of an interesting uh, an interesting. No, I'm stuck. So you expected a bigger train wreck, basically. Yeah, I expected to see a lot more companies go belly up th than did. In any particular sector or just? Just sort of everywhere. Whenever you have a recession of this magnitude, you expect to see, I think, a lot more companies just not make it through. Let's widen the lens a little bit. Let's, Because, again, it's not just the end of the year. It's the end of the decade. Um, is there a company that stands out? When we look back at this decade, what is going to be the company that is really going to be the dominant company when we think about this first decade of the century. Can, can I go first? Because uh, before the, we began uh, taping the show, we all said that we thought we had the obvious answer, but none of us knows. We'll, yeah, we haven't other, shared. Yeah, so it'll be shared. interesting to see if, the, if we're all uh, in agreement on what's obvious. F uh, for me, it's Apple. And uh, f from from Newton to world dominance, and from uh, less than a billion in free cash flow back in 2000 to more than $9 billion in 2009, that's a pretty you know a, a important financial achievement. And then I'm always uh, attracted to uh, companies that actually fundamentally change the way that you do something that you do every day, which for me is listen to ZZ Top. And now as a result of the iPod, I do that in a very different way. Every day? <laughs> Many times. Like vitamins? Wide, absolutely. Like vitamins? you got to have your daily dose of ZZ Top? It gets me out the door the in the morning, Chris. Or, or just in the house? Uh, in the house, generally. Okay. Deguelo, great album. <laughs> James, what about you? Yeah, Company I, of the decade. I, I had Apple too, I got to admit. Um, up 661% versus negative uh, 24% for the S&P 500, largely because of... of 
a shift to well good products but also a minimalist design and i would i would stretch the the question a little bit and n- nominate jonathan ive who is uh sort of the head designer for, for apple as underappreciated person of the decade this is the guy who designed the imac the macbook the powerbook the ipod and the iphone you mean it wasn't steve jobs Steve Jobs How is a great you? front man. How dare you? In, in a black turtleneck. But but Jonathan Ive is sort of the, the brains in the background. I like him. Seth, what about you? I had uh, Apple. No! You did, really? Oh, my gosh. The comeback, now that, three comeback for three. company of, uh, the, of the uh, Well, <laughs> let me just play uh, devil's advocate here. I mean, no one's saying Google? I mean... No, because Google, Google did a good job, but Google didn't... Google didn't rescue a company that was dead, and Apple was was pretty much dead. Apple was the only people who liked Apple were part of the were part of the Apple cult. And along, Steve comes back, and they push this product called the iPod, which isn't even a product they pioneered. It's just a different version. Yep. It's got some better capabilities. It's easier to use, and they turn that into they turn that into you know a big gain in market share for their computers and everything else. That that's a lot more incredible than than Google, which. I think Google's just luckier. I think Google did one thing really well, and then they just kind of rolled on luck from there. I think Apple had to work for it the whole time. But when you talk about companies that fundamentally change the world and change the way we live, you're telling me if Google went away tomorrow, just disappeared, that wouldn't matter. It it wouldn't matter. It would not matter. There's Lycos. There's yeah. No, there's no. Lycos. <laughs> there's everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Alta Vista. I mean, so, so Google stood on the shoulders of midgets and became yeah. massive. But there were plenty of uh, yeah. uh, companies doing what they do. And what if they, they disappeared, nobody would miss them because everything else would would, would pick up the slack. Bing. You, you know? know, speaking of Bing, can I just say, Seth, <laughs> you came over and put that fancy uh, software on my computer the other day, and I had to like. Uh, Bing decided it was my new search engine after that, so I had to, to, to go in there and figure out how to like unbing well, no, my that, computer. That, that was my fault. I clicked that. I didn't okay, check okay, that okay. option. That also happens if you install anything from Google. You're like, wait a minute, I have Google everywhere now. Well, that my was. my next question was going to be business leader of the decade. Is it just safe to assume that it's Steve Jobs across the board? No, no, no. Obviously, Jeff Bezos. Who the, uh, Amazon was my other contender for for this. You know, they fundamentally got online retailing right, and they were quite nimble in recovering from some early mistakes, including free shipping. I think on nine-pound boxes of nails. Probably a low-margin operation, <laughs> but they bounce back from that. Jeff Bezos, also previously a time person of the year. Wow. What about you, James? I have to go back to Steve Jobs. I'm a little skeptical of the, the, the free shipping. I ordered some stuff from Amazon, some some epoxy, which was about the size of a quarter, <laughs> and I got it in a box that could have fit two pairs of boots. Uh, <laughs> it was free, but but it was it was funny, too. So, so, yeah, I go with Steve Jobs. Yeah, and you have to understand, everyone, that James loves trees. So, and I'm not saying just in general. James is a tree collector. So when you ship him a cardboard box that's too big, you're really, you're really hurting him. You're hurting him. That's, that's life. I see it. He's yeah. not a tree hugger. He's a tree French kisser. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, thank you for that image. Seth, what about you? That's, Business leader of the I decade? I really want to think about that in front of the holiday fire with my cocoa. <laughs> James in the trees. Uh you know, I had Steve Jobs. If you ignore the fact that he seems a pretty awful human being, he has combined a good degree of luck with a, a lot of skill to produce a really, really profitable uh, array of products. And again, I think they had to work for it the whole time versus some companies that rise to prominence simply because they kind of get lucky and ride the wave. What about Bill Gates? And I say that uh, keeping in mind that obviously Microsoft has not fared as well as Apple. Right, has. we're talking about this decade, Chris. We're talking about this decade, <laughs> but when you look at when you when you widen it beyond business and investing, and you look at the global impact that he has had and is attempting to have going forward with his foundation, that and also previously time 
person of the year. Right. Uh, doesn't he have to get some consideration as well? Well, just uh, using my own criteria, I think that in the 1990s, you would say Bill Gates because he fundamentally changed the way that you did the things that you do on a day-to-day basis. That is uh, super consequential. I think that, he, that Microsoft has become less so during this decade, and therefore Bill Gates, for me, isn't a contender. But you're asking almost as a humanitarian, too, Chris. Is that right? I, I, I was just broadening it beyond business and investing. Bill Gates never gave me a better Walkman, so I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Wikipedia is another one that I think is, is sort of underappreciated. We use it all the time, and, and it's, I think, one of the best things that's come out of the Internet. I want to raise a point that uh, I think, Shannon, you had brought up you, when you talked about the returns that Apple had over the decade. I think you said something around like 660%. That was James. I was on the free cash flow side. Uh, dramatic uh, growth. There you go. Well, d- James was also helpful before the show today and pulled up a list of the top performing stocks over the last decade. And, and they put Apple to shame uh, with returns of um, 5,000%, uh, up 9,000. And what strikes me about this group is very few recognizable names on here. Emergent Group Incorporated, Life Partner Holdings, Rhino International Corporation. Uh, the, the one that I did recognize was a coffee company, although unfortunately as a Starbucks shareholder, not the coffee <laughs> company I care most about. Green Mountain Coffee Roasters, up more than 7,000%. Seth, you're our small cap guy. I mean, is is this just an advertisement for small cap stocks? Well, no, that's in some cases an advertisement for micro cap stocks because you know when you start at zero or close to it, as soon as you get big, you you have huge percentage gains. The uh, there are some interesting and some good companies on this list, but the problem is that for every one of these you can find, you can find dozens, if not hundreds, of tiny companies that people said were going to do just as well. And, and didn't and may, maybe aren't even out there surviving yet. So although it's nice to try and look for these and, and we do try to look for these, uh, I, I would have to go, I would love to go back and look at the market caps of these. I would, I would be surprised if any of them had a market cap of a couple of hundred million, which is sort of the bottom uh, that we will choose at Hidden Gems because when you get smaller than that, you get risky. Yeah, no, and just to underscore that, it's almost like an, uh, in reverse. An obese person can lose a lot of weight very quickly because they're obese, and then you know when you get down to uh, the, the first fifty pounds that you've lost, there's not that much uh, more gain to be had. Yeah, Seth, on the other hand, who weighs a buck forty, soaking wet, <laughs> I can't lose much. Exactly. All right, as we head into the next year, and hey, if you want to go even farther and say into the next decade, give me one stock that is on your radar, and Shannon, I'll start with you. Well, it's, I got to go plain vanilla. If I were going to invest in, in Apple, a, don't say Apple. I won't say, I won't oh, say okay. Apple. I, I will say, uh, and I'll quickly caveat it: uh, Berkshire Hathaway. If they get the succession uh, thing right, Berkshire Hathaway is a great company for the long haul. So over you really are decade, looking out over the next decade. A- absolutely, because if you only had to make one investment, which is sort of the way I would reframe that question, why invest in just one company? So you got Berkshire, but uh, the portfolio, uh, the businesses that it owns underneath it almost makes it a mutual fund, and so you get built-in diversification. Uh, Not to be morbid, but you did raise uh, the prospect of succession. Uh, so you're saying in the next 10 years, Warren will no longer be with us. Well, I, you know, I don't know. Maybe, maybe he will. A lot of, Marty Whitman at Third Avenue is, what, 148 now, I think? So <laughs> he could be with us. But Warren will take care of that. <laughs> Warren, I mean, he, Warren will plan for this. Well, versus some oh, I thought you were going to say that Warren is already like planning to clone take care himself. Of Marty Whitman, I thought. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's going <laughs> to. All right, James, what about you? Stock for the next decade? I think the next decade is going to be uh, 
resurgence of, of emerging markets. Uh, once this recession washes out, we're really going to see uh, some boom there. And I think we're going to see more commodities uh, come to the fore. Brazil is a country that I really like. It's gone from double-digit inflation to to being one of the to being actually the ninth largest world economy, uh, and a net oil producer, thanks in large part to a company called Petrobras. The ticker is PBR, and Petrobras has a lot of these deep water drills. The future of oil is is not close to the surface, easy to extract oil like it used to be. It's deep. Dark, dark, murky, sludgy oil, way, way, way under the ocean floor. And companies expert, like Petrobras, expert in, in extracting it, are, are the wave of the oil future. Like Bruce Willis in Armageddon. That's when you Pretty say much. when you say deep oil drilling. That's that's instantly what I got. Well, no, it's Ben you know, Affleck. I've never really seen had, Armageddon, oh. but, but I, I'll trust you. Yeah, You've well, Ben Affleck was the real guy. You know, I barely watch movies or, or TV. I'm just busy. I guess. Except, <laughs> except for Waterworld, right? You watch that uh, regularly. Uh, you know, no, it was nine oh two and oh that oh, I watched. Okay. Regular, I used to, but it's off the air. You know, it's, what do I do? <laughs> I got news for you. Kelly doesn't look the same. <laughs> All right, Seth. Stock for the next decade. Well, when you're going to do these things, you you want to you want in ten years for people to look back and 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 find the stock you you've mentioned on one of these lists of eight thousand bazillion percent gainers. So. The thing to do there is to is to pick a small one and cross your fingers because nobody will remember if it doesn't pan out. So <laughs> I'm going to talk. You're, you're about, saying we're not going to be doing this show in ten years? Well, you know, we might all be hanging out with Warren Buffett at that point. There so you go. I, I'm going to actually pick a stock I own. It's a stock that is a hidden gems portfolio candidate. It's called Jinpan International, and it is over in China where it makes uh, something pretty boring, which are cast resin transformers. If you've ever uh, seen a, an electricity transformer, maybe on a power pole, maybe by an apartment complex or something. Uh, I, I'm falling asleep, Seth. Yeah, I know. They're good. <laughs> they're, they're usually oil-filled, and these are cast resin so that they don't need the same upkeep. They're supposed to last longer, etc. Now, they make these in China. And they have they've been uh, on the market in the U.S. for a lot a long time, a lot longer than sort of a lot of the fly-by-night Chinese companies that came around later. And they don't do any of that kind of unseemly self-promotion. Uh, it the the problem with it that I see right now is it has run up a lot. It's it's like a triple from from a year ago or so. Uh, it was down in the 15s. Now it's up you know near 45. Um, so it, and it looks very expensive. But it is positioning itself to be sort of in the middle of China's push for green energy by expanding into specialized products used for wind and other power generation, uh, green power generation. Uh, well, let's just say green power generation. <laughs> so it is, it's a company that looks expensive, uh, but it's in a great spot. And if they just kind of keep running things the way they're going, it could be one of these you look back on in 10 years and say, wow, what happened there? So yeah, I think it's interesting that you think the problem with it is that it's run up three times over the last year and that the problem is not that it takes five minutes to explain what the company does. Well, uh, <laughs> well, I could explain that. And what's three second. times if it's got another 7,000% to, exactly. to go over the next yeah, exactly. decade? Exactly. Yeah. No one will care then. All right, Seth, Jason, James Early, Shannon Zermick, guys, thanks for being here. Sure thing. You're welcome. Thank you, Chris. That's it for this edition of Motley Full Money. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about. Don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear do your homework, and make your own decisions. We're going to take a little break for the holidays, but we'll be back with a new show on January 8th. I'm Chris Hill, and for all of us here at The Motley Fool, thanks for listening, and have a safe and happy holiday season. Holiday season.